Hey everyone, my name is Jason West and this is PodClass. How is everyone doing today, huh? Teachers, how's your school year going? I gotta say, uh, I want to thank everyone who sent really encouraging and lovely things based on my mini pod from last week. I just want to let you all know I am loving my new school, you guys. I'm frankly really surprised by how much I've enjoyed this switch from the classroom, but I'm still working with students every day, as well as working on larger issues for my new school, and, well, I am very happy to be where I am. Speaking of happy, I am thrilled to share today's interview with you all. My guest today is Kate Hummel, an educator who, through a series of interesting events, has spent the majority of her teaching and administrative career in China. In China. Ugh. Anyway. In our interview, we talked a lot about culture barriers, how the U.S. education system compares to the one in China, and, of course, how Kobe Bryant was such a strong influence on the work she did in Chinese international schools. Kobe Bryant. Man, that guy just does everything post-retirement, you know? Before we start the interview, I want to remind everyone that this is the final week to submit your reviews and enter the big Amazon giveaway. Seriously, the holidays are going to be here before you realize it, and you're going to want that 50 bucks when Cyber Monday rolls around. And yes, I just mentioned Thanksgiving during one of the hottest months of the year, but Starbucks is already trying to stuff pumpkin spice down our throat, so I think I'm pretty low on the offensively fall spectrum. Oh, and one last thing. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I had unknowingly recorded a couple of interviews with a microphone that had gone bad. I just wanted to remind everyone of this fact before you listen to this week's interview because, well, the sound quality isn't quite the same. Uh, after this week's interview, there's only one more interview with the bad mic, and then it is clear listening as far as the eye can see, or as far as the ear can hear, or maybe it's an olfactory thing for you. I don't know. You get the point, though, right? Okay, that is it. Let's start the show. But first, a quick fake commercial break. Today's episode is brought to you by Classroom Technology. Classroom Technology. Yep, it's already broken. Induction program, but it's they're still calling it pizza. They're still calling it pizza. Okay. And it's just blue. <laughs> yeah. It's I mean, yeah. I I I I do not envy you for having to go through all that again. And I yeah. can certainly and I, that's what I'm deciding. Like, do I actually want to? <laughs> yeah, no, I totally understand why you would question why you would do that. Um but hey. You don't have to do that now. <laughs> not today. You, that's for you, tomorrow, Kate, to deal with. You're here today <laughs> for this amazing podcast. So True. welcome. Thank you. To the show. Uh, I spoke a bit about you in the intro. And so the audience has a general idea about you. Um, but why don't we sort of dive right in? I normally like to start at the beginning, but we'll, we'll work our way back. Okay. Uh, why don't we start with your most recent teaching job was not here. Correct. Where Where was that? Um, I worked in China in international schools for the last about five and a half years. Um, my most recent position was actually as a principal of a pretty small um, pre-K through eight 
school. Um, prior to that, I worked in two high school programs, all in China, uh, different places around China. But All boys, all girls, mixed gender? Mixed gender. Okay. Um, and the high school programs were all Chinese kids. And the most recent position was a true international school in that there were people from all over. So What was that like? It was wild. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was more challenging for you, working in the all Chinese schools or the international school? Because I imagine... You know, on, on one hand, the Chinese school, it's a complete culture shift, but at least it's uniform in its culture and language versus you go, you go to an international school and it's, you know, a bit of paint by numbers where everything is a little different Definitely. and you're trying to manage it. What, what was more challenging for you? Totally different challenges based on each group is the easy answer. Um, but you, you hit it on the head that the multitude of languages and language proficiencies in the true international school was mm -hmm. really challenging and that all the instruction was in English except for Chinese class. So mm -hmm. then with Chinese classes, I had to get into scheduling the na like native and non-native Chinese classes for pretty small numbers of students. So they were very diverse classes and the Chinese teachers, their teaching backgrounds and training is very different than the U.S. They're used to having like one level of kids, one mm -hmm. age of kids, very targeted. They have these mixed level groups now and they have no idea what to do. You know, this, this kid's not working hard. I'm like, because you're not teaching anywhere close to where his proficiency level sure. is. Of course he's not going to pay attention. I mean, that is kind of the same over here. Exactly. Uh, what was the socioeconomic status of your students? Because I've always heard yeah, that very at high. international schools, really high affluence. Absolutely. Um, like maybe one or two students who are not of affluence, but it's mostly. Yeah, we had, we had in the, in the third school, we did offer what you could call a scholarship, mm -hmm. um, but only to a couple kids. So mm -hmm. in all the programs, the families were very well off. Um, they were choosing to be, have their kids in these programs to not take the traditional Chinese education route. Mm. You know, the families often had, um, one parent at least who was involved in some sort of international venture, whether they worked for a company or they worked for um, a local government organization that dealt with international people. So they had just different plans for their kids and they know and saw and were willing to pay a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of that money went to getting American educators over mm -hmm. there. That's what a huge amount of the cost was. And the Chinese school is kind of the same in terms of socioeconomic status? Absolutely. So what they were is they were private programs. The first one was a private program in a public Chinese high school, which scrambled my mind when I first heard that. <laughs> like, what do you mean private program in public school? But basically these kids opted to be in the international department. So they were getting mm -hmm. American curriculum and We have something similar here with like small learning communities yep. where, you know, you, you join a school, you're at a public school, but you're in your own little program and yep. you are very insulated. Uh, some schools have even had their own bell schedules or separate bell schedules for their special programs, which is kind of bananas. But, I would hate to be the make, one who has to make, schedule all totally, that. To make that master schedule. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they, um, but in the first program in particular, because it was this large public high school and then this small international department, the kids were kind of, they were thought of as like, the rich kids and they were not hazed, but 
they were mm. kind of looked down upon or up upon. <laughs> I don't know which way you want to <laughs> say it, but they knew that these kids just like paid to be there kind of. They didn't yeah. earn their chops like the public school kids did. Mm. Um, so there was some of that and we dealt with those. We talked about those relationships sure. a lot. And why do you think the other kids feel this way? We were pretty upfront about it. And they just really wanted to prove that they were working hard too. And the Chinese kids thought because they were, you know, prepping for the SAT rather than the really hard Chinese college entrance exam, they thought they, these kids were just paying to like go to America basically paying their way in and which they realized very quickly was furthest from the truth. They were working super hard. They yeah, were learning. Were, how many of your students, what that, that was their plan to then go to America? All of them. Really? Yep. In the first two programs, all of them, a hundred percent. That's, that's like what we were doing for them. We were giving them a, a bridge. We were teaching them about American education before having to actually be. Was then the their US. goal to go to America go to university there and then come back or Super to interesting. stay? So to- totally split. Um, wow. the, the reasons that kids wanted to go to America were, there were, Doritos, there were many. <laughs> things like that. What's that? I said Doritos. Well, the NBA. The like, NBA. The, they're, when they were first picking schools, like they're cheer- looking at schools. They're like, oh, well, like I need to be in California because of Kobe. And I'm like, well, maybe he, we well, should. he does greet every single plane that lands into LAX. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So it's not I the can understand. On the it's Kobe. <laughs> Kobe, you need to be in Gate E. There's another flight, and he just runs down. Well, actually, now it's LeBron, right? Well, uh, oh, yeah, now it is LeBron. <laughs> he filled those shoes. Um, but I don't think he realizes. I don't think he was told when he signed that he had to go to every terminal totally. at LAX to greet all of the uh, Chinese immigrants. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They like that's part of your He'll learn. part He'll of your learn. orientation yeah, yeah, yeah. for college. Learn. Um, but but you know a lot of kids honestly just uh, really like romanticize American pop culture and that sure. was a reason and pop culture not culture in general. Um, some parents wanted them to go and that's why they were going because their parents hmm. chose that path for them. Some uh, would the one, parents travel with them or were they just sending them? Send them. Wow. Send them on out. <laughs> Wild. And one kid in particular, when you asked about like staying in the U.S. versus going back to China, his goal was to go and learn as much as he or you know, come here to the U.S., learn sure. as much as he can and then take that back to help China. Right. You know, very nice. Which is understandable. Yeah. And other kids were like, I'm never going back. Well, I mean, yeah, because their parents told them, get out, leave <laughs> yeah. the country. With like tens of I don't know of how dollars, I'd feel so as a kid if my parents were like, We've done all we need to do with you. You need to not just leave the house, but leave the country. Oh, yeah. Go right. Uh, oh, Mom, Dad, you're going to come with me? No, we are done with you. They're like, we'll come visit. Go, go find Kobe in California. <laughs> Kobe, Kobe's your new father. <laughs> Kobe is your new father. <laughs> this is what they tell him when he when they arrive at the airport. Father? He's like, oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> you can't do that. You cannot do that. <laughs> can't be going um, through this again. So the big question then, how did you get... To China, like, how did this happen? How, I have no idea. No, <laughs> I, stu- I just stumbled. And <laughs> he I- met Kobe, and then all of a sudden, you woke up and you were in China. Kobe's like, "Hey, do you know? Yeah. That, do you want to take care of these kids?" Because, um, so I got my multiple subject teaching credential in California. The summer after I finished, I had through um, an ex-boyfriend, actually a family friend of his said, hey, do you want to go and do this summer camp in China? Volunteer, you'll go work for like four weeks, flights, you know, room and board, you want to go. Again, really interesting family dynamics coming out of here. (laughs) I had an ex-boyfriend, 
family clearly liked me more than him. <laughs> we still kept in touch. They're giving me job opportunities. Like, it was, we were, he doesn't know what he, he missed wasn't, out on. He wasn't an ex at the time. Um, <laughs> oh, maybe they're just trying to get rid of you? Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> they're like, like, son, oh, we got this. We're going to send her to China. Actually, that's kind of what happened. <laughs> Anyways, um, oh, no. so went for this, you know, as a little kid's summer camp. Do you want to teach the stories class at summer camp? And I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, China was never on my short list of the next places to go, but mm-hmm. I was like, why not? Let's do it. And they said, you can, you know, extend if you want to travel on either end. Were you, you can... a big traveler before this or? I, not that big. <laughs> uh, my family travels a lot. Um, I went to, I mean, around the U S and Mexico, Hawaii. Alaska. So never like this abroad. I'd been to, I'd been to Europe. Um, I did a semester in high school in Australia. So yeah, yes, I guess. And I've you lived. Been. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> I did. And my, my running joke that I have with people is that I would like to travel everywhere in the world except Australia. Why? Because it looks beautiful. It, but everything I've ever read about it, <laughs> it I'm like, it's, it's going to kill, kill me. Yes. <laughs> Everything. They're like, oh, koalas are so cute. No, they're actually really mean. Totally. Oh, no. Kangaroos, like, get up on their back legs. And right. Thank you. Th- thank you. And the hole in the ozone, I would just crumble and melt because I'm That's so... That's what I'm saying. Because I have such fair skin. Oh, here's Australia. You can only go within 10 feet of the coast before you burn. Oh, <laughs> yep. great. That's about it. Yeah. And don't go in the ocean. Why not? Well, everything's trying to kill you there, don't, too. You, we don't know what's in there. Yeah. You, you know these, like, microscopic jellyfish? I think I've heard of them. Yeah, they're going to kill you. They're everywhere. <laughs> they're going to kill you. I had a lovely time in Australia. Well, but uh, clearly you <laughs> I lived. Survived. But yeah, I, I, I like um, I like traveling. I like getting out of my comfort zone. I like being places and experiencing things that I've lived a pretty cush life. So I like to mm. just go and and see what the see rest the of the world lives. See the other side of the lives. world. Yeah, what, Literally. The, what the rest of the world lives like. Yeah. Um, so I did this summer camp. It was an awesome experience. Fell in love with um, the kids, of course. And how, how old were they? They were little. They were um, they were like three age groups, like five to nine or something. Super cute. Yeah, little guys, and just like adorable and hugging and like wanted to like touch my hair because they'd like never touched blonde hair before. Sure. <laughs> and uh, also, and, but you know, also, you are a fairly statuesque in terms of. You've got the height, so I'm sure you walked around Thank and you. you were just a celebrity just from walking down the street. Yeah, it was more like young people and old people gave me this like, what, what, what is what that? What are you? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what is that kind of look? Like more people aged around me. I feel that way a lot when I walk around L.A. and I see these beautiful people walk by and I go, we are not the same species. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand how we have any of the same genetics. Totally. It's impossible. But we're used to seeing diverse groups of people. Sure. Yeah. Especially in Long Beach, California in general. Yeah. The U.S. maybe to not the same degree, Mm -hmm. but we're used to seeing a lot of people that look different, Mm. different than ourselves. And there it's just not like that. It's, you know, this, uh, there are minority groups, but the vast majority of people look very similar. How long was that program that you were doing? It was, it was four weeks of camp. Oh, okay. Um, and so it was, it was pitched to you as like a month long thing and you stayed there how long? <laughs> I ended up there over five and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. And then, so after that, it was through that, the woman that ran that, um, summer camp, she had a, has a language train, has still has a language mm-hmm. training company started with like online language training, specifically Spanish and in, in South America. And then <clears throat> she bridged to, to China because of her family ties and started the summer camp. And then through that, 
then opened an international department in this high school. And she asked if I wanted to go back and teach. And I said, sure. And that was just a six month contract. <laughs> I was like, six months? Sure. No yeah, you're problem. Like, I can do months at a time. Flash forward. Yeah. So uh, what were you asked to teach? So I first went as they just were hiring teachers. So as a high school, they didn't tell me what subject I was going to mm-hmm. teach, but it was for high school. It was advanced Chinese. No. Yeah, exactly. Right. I'm like, I can attempt to draw character, write characters, but. Did you um, pick up the language at all while you were there? Very little. Here's, really? here's my Chinese. Edian Dan means a little bit in Mandarin. Oh, okay. <laughs> I learned. Was just, is English just that prevalent? It is that prevalent, especially like where I was work wise and then where I surrounded myself socially was around English because I didn't didn't learn language. When I first went, I was like, I'll pick it up. I lived in SoCal. I understand some Spanish. It's the same. Not the same at all. No, no, not at all. There are sounds that I can't even hear the difference. I cannot make the like literally make the sound. I'm like, that's what I'm saying. And they're like, that's not what you're saying. So I'm just shocked that you haven't uh, picked up any of the language just given all of the signs, I feel like I'd be lost. Totally. So, but without, um, on signs, there's the characters and then Mm -hmm. there's in letters that we, that I understand there are signs. So I would learn that, like I learned the names for places, but I was never driving. I'm always in Mm. a taxi. I could, you know, show, I would take the, take the, not a bus. I was going to say bus. I would take the train, Mm -hmm. Metro and, and taxis everywhere. And I would have the five places I needed to go on my phone and I'd pull that up and show the characters to the driver and get wow. around. And then work-wise, I had, when I was first as a teacher, there were, um, we had bilingual staff, of course, to help us interact and, and work with the Chinese staff that didn't speak English. But then as I moved up and, and became an administrator, I had I, there were people that, one of their sole jobs was to like interpret for me and be that like translate documents and um, sit down at meetings. And you couldn't just have a translator because these were like business deals that were happening. So you have to have someone that has your best interest in mind. You can't use someone else's translator. Right. Right. You're not just going to have a parent show up and or have a student, which is what you do in schools, right? You have a student come in and we put the burden on to the children, which isn't fair at all. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, Help me define these contract terms. My little 10-year-old friend. So you taught high school. I taught high school. Oh, so I, anyway, yes, back to the original question. <laughs> you, um, I taught social studies first, um, and the program started with just a ninth grade class, and then mm-hmm. it grew ninth and 10th, 9th, 10th, 11th, as the kids got older. So it was really nice the first year, first six months, we could just focus on, we had one class of students. Was it like, so? because we don't really have social studies per se yep. in high school. Was it just world history? Was it it was Chinese the, um, history? Oh, no, I need to think. The ninth grade, we eventually got eleventh grade was like American history, and I think ninth and tenth was a that split. That is so interesting. Was a split world history, like a two year world history course, if I recall Man, correctly. It just shows the <laughs> there's a certain level of arrogance. Arrogance is exactly that we have word. as a country that it's like. Listen, by 11th grade, you need to study our history. Right. Like, but we for, do not but, study. But for these kids, it was relevant. They never got any sure. American history. They're going to the U.S. Think the, to like... They just know that Kobe is in charge. That's <laughs> all they know. Exactly. That's, the, that's where their knowledge is. Yeah. Um, or their exposure, not their knowledge. But we knew, we knew that it was important to... They needed to know what had happened, at least in brief, in American history. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we... We did that, but it was world history the first 
first two years. So it was a, um, do you, are you familiar with great books? Yes. Many of them, in fact, yes. <laughs> but do you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah. the great books foundation. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. No, I, with me. okay. <laughs> so it was no, I'm great just saying yes. <laughs> like yes. I know great books. Start naming them. I've, I've read um, a few great books in my life. That's what you're talking about? Yes. No, no. Okay. But the the idea being that kids are reading, reading original text rather than textbooks. Mm-hmm. And that everything's, um, they call it like round table, but it's very similar to like Socratic seminar. So all of the st- classes were structured like that. So they had a, a science course. Um, they took math from their Chinese teachers. <laughs> we let them <laughs> keep that one. <laughs> and the American teachers taught, there was a humanity, or, yeah, there, they called it humanities, but then I taught social studies and then there was science and that was in English. Okay. This, the following years, once I stayed longer, we added for higher grades an integrated studies course, which was kind of like a project-based course where they mm-hmm. we'd give them some task and they'd... Yeah, they'd, that's what I, I wanted to get into that a little bit. What, was it more of like a classical high school system? Was it project-based learning? Was it, you know, yeah. we have pathways now that we're starting to develop uh, in the U.S. or across the U.S. How would you describe the school system there? Because everyone always talks about how America, American schools are stuck in old techniques that don't work and everywhere else is doing so many, uh, so much more advanced uh, pedagogical practices and that's why they are ahead of us and we are so behind. How would you describe the schooling in China? So the traditional route for Chinese kids is what you're talking about. America's stuck in the past. In my opinion, they are fully committing to being stuck in the past. Hmm. It is teacher talk, student listen. The entire country has, there's a national curriculum, national textbooks. Everyone studies the same thing on the same day. Wow. And what happens in general is uh, uh, to some degree with lower ki- with younger kids, there's some more play built into the day, but mm. very little. And by the time you're in high school, you are sitting in a desk all day listening to the teacher talk and your job is to memorize whatever they're saying. Hmm. And you don't, you're finding out the answers to things from the teacher and you're, there's nothing student-centered at all. There are exercises that they do to like yeah. repetition to be able to regurgitate back what they learn. So how do you... So you teach for two years before you become an admin, or...? Um, I was there for that six months, and basically throughout that six months, the the program had just opened it opened in the second semester that's Mm -hmm. when the funding came through so we had a spring semester of ninth grade to get started Hmm. and there were a lot of improvements to be made is a good way to say it and when I was there on this small team there was there were two other teachers the founder of the program and then a bunch of Chinese wonderful incredible Chinese support staff bilingual support staff Mm -hmm. um I saw a lot of things that needed to be improved um, and a lot of things that just weren't really happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And I took the initiative to take care of those. And then the, my boss then said, would you like to be an administrator? So by the second contract I had, I was, we didn't do a percentage. So it wasn't even a full year and you just became. Yeah, I was, I was like, um, what was my title at first? It was like assistant program director or something. They just needed to call me something. Sure. So how do you then. How do you manage a school where the teaching practices are not exactly what 
you would like, but you're also, you have to be cognizant that you're in another country and another, and another culture. Totally. How do you? So, so we didn't teach like that. That's how their Chinese classes were. So they kept a bunch of their, you know, requirements to graduate from high school, Mm -hmm. get your Chinese diploma. So they kept those courses with their Chinese teacher. So half of their day, you could say, was in that very traditional way. Mm. When they came to our classes, it was completely different. Like I said, Socratic seminar. We had a project-based element. Um, and so they were, they had their, a foot in each door. I don't yeah, know. really. They, <laughs> they ran the gamut. And you weren't really in charge of the Chinese No, we had teaching. no, we didn't even have like staff meetings with those teachers. Hmm. So I knew a couple, we knew a couple of them. But That's crazy. like as far as consistency of discipline and all that stuff, so that they were my, living in. That was going to be my next question because you talked about, you know, from an early age, kids were just sort of sitting in desks and they were just, you know, it's a sit and get kind of situation. Sage on the stage, all that, yep. you know, typical talk discipline do were kids acting i imagine if you tried that in a classroom in southern california tomorrow the kids would go bananas nuts but they they on that side we call it like two sides <laughs> on yeah. in those classes apparently there weren't discipline problems cuz they were just so used to that mm-hmm. And I also think there weren't discipline problems because the teacher would never walk around. So they like, it's kind of like you're either going to listen or you're not. And if you don't want to listen, you're not going to learn this stuff and then you're going to fail and then your life's going to be over. Like, Mm. like it's a slippery slope of if you don't want to listen, as long as you're not disrupting the teacher, not even kids around you, like as long as you're not bugging the teacher, the teacher's not going to do anything. Then they come into our classes and we have them, you know, on iPads. They don't, aren't even allowed to have cell phones in their other classes. Of course, they have them out behind their books as kids do behind their stacks of books on their desks (laughs) that they were hiding between behind. Um, then they come to our classes and we're like, okay, here's an iPad and with full, full in quotes, internet access, Mm -hmm. the great Chinese firewall was still in effect. Um, and they just went nuts. Like, of course they're downloading games and, yeah. you know, sending messages to each other and if being kids. Yeah. And so we had to, you know, that's a privilege to have an iPad. We had to set very clear standards for discipline. And, and I think they'd never had, like, if you get in trouble, I don't even know if they get got in trouble on the other side. Mm. And it was, a, um, to a high degree, we held them very accountable for their behavior. And if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you're going to sit down and talk to someone. Like we're going to have a talk about it is my (laughs) discipline style. So, and it's not going to be like a fun (laughs) chat. I will talk for (laughs) so long. You will regret having to talk to me. I will filibuster the hell out of this discipline conference. You will sit here. I'm going to read Moby Dick. How about that? I see that you're falling asleep. That's not acceptable. <laughs> Wake up. That I feel like that is my style of discipline without me trying. Like I cannot tell you how often I will, uh, in the rare case where I have to sort of discipline the class, how many times in those moments I've had students go, can we just get back to learning now? And <laughs> I'm like, teach us no, something. I am not done. I'm so disappointed in you. I just... Oh my gosh, my poor wife. Every time I, I want to talk about something that I'm frustrated about in the world, I, you just brace yourself. It'll, put in her I, earbuds. I will, yeah, exactly. I will take uh, five minutes to tell you how to open the front door. <laughs> and you could just be like, I know, just turn the knob. She's like, no, 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 but hold on. I have five more minutes of explaining this. 
Yeah. Um, Brevity yeah, so is not I, my strength. That, um, that discipline style, I actually mastered, I'll give a shout out to my, my buddy, Mr. T, um, who's a teacher and he's, <laughs> and he pitied the fool. Still, I know still in China. Fruit. Um, he had, we would go, we'd like tag teams, not the right term, but <laughs> two of us would sit down in an office with a kid and his, never ending questioning. <laughs> like he wouldn't say what the kid was in trouble for. I'd be like, here, this is what you did. Yeah. You're in trouble. Tell me why he would you know, break them psychologically. Oh my God. You would just try to get to the how, bottom how are, of it. How right are away. you, Jason? <laughs> I'm fine. Mr. T, how are you? Um, so what's been going on lately? And like gradually approach, like finally they just be like, this is what I did. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like the, um, it's like the verbal equivalent of water torture. Yes. <laughs> just I just drip, need oxygen. Drip. Drip. <laughs> oh, that. Oh, my God. Torture. Fine. Just here. Did, here's everything. And I couldn't just take stop. it. I'd be in the room and I'd just be like, okay, <laughs> it worked on okay you too. Chris, come on. <laughs> this is what you did. You're caught. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so good. It's like not not really good cop, bad cop uh, as much as good cop, pesky cop. Or, yeah. Or just I was thinking I'm like exhausted cop by <laughs> exhausted by him. <laughs> It worked. Yeah, the kids it, always. It, it totally worked. Even, at the up. end, you were com- you were confessing the things. You were like, "All right, look, I, I double parked the other day, and I'm really sorry. I won't do it again." <laughs> so, how different? Because you were talking about uh, the discipline in the Chinese schools, then you go to the international school, and you are the principal there. Yes. How is? That, because that's a totally different system to manage as well, right? Because you're no longer bound by the cultural norms of China as much, I imagine, right? Mm. Because you have, it's a you know international group, and yeah. they, they they're not so accustomed to the Chinese schooling, yeah, the way that your Chinese students were. Yeah, it was just like you were saying with language; it's just all over the place with the kids mm-hmm. and the parents and. But what everyone at that international school wanted was an American education, quote unquote. And that's true of all three schools where I worked. But that one particularly, that everyone wanted like the American standard. And we, of course, we, of course, created (laughs) what that was for them in like not watered down. That's not the right. But like in a kind of simplified way is the things that Mm. we said were important. We said things like student centered learning, you know, Mm. like group projects, all that sort of thing that they just hadn't experienced before. So the good thing at that position there, it had only been open at that school. It had only been open for like a year and they opened with like eight kids or something. It was like a one room school. (laughs) They had this huge campus and they, in my opinion, they opened too early. They should have opened the next year. We started when I was there with 27 kids or something, but from and there was a preschool to three seventh to one grade, teacher to student ratio. It was, <laughs> but the amount, the investment that this company put in this school, you have to get teachers there before kids are going to sure. show up. So, and a lot of these people, I imagine, from everything I know about international schools, they are flown in, yeah, and they are put up yeah. for the year, room and board. Yep. So there is, they are deeply invested absolutely in this yep. and to only have 21 kids were people yep. freaking out i mean they were just like trying to hold on to everyone they had you know like we need to some people someone was freaking out but that wasn't sure. my job my job was to set up the school and make give these kids the best experience in education that they can hmm. we can give them 
and they, but as far as discipline goes, I got to set up how the discipline worked in the school. And because it was so small by when I left, there were like 50 kids or something. And I was only there for one year. So like in that year, it was just like new kids coming in all the time. And, wow. but, but still with 50 from ages four to 15 or something, I got, I was the person that dealt with discipline, you know, and based on the kid and based on the family and based on the teacher. You can't put them all on timeout. Exactly. But they knew like when they'd come to my office, there was, there was a table that we'd sit at sometimes and then there's the couch and you'd think the couch would be more fun, but the couch is (laughs) not more fun. (laughs) You know, I'd sit next to them on the couch. These the couch of consequence, really little kids. And, but my, my discipline style is especially for young kids is a, a lot of people treat the symptom, right? They, sure. they treat the reaction. They punish the behavior that they're seeing. There's something going on. There's a mm-hmm. reason this kid is doing this. Yeah. And especially for little kids, you know, the teacher's like, he's mouthing off. He, he won't be quiet. Like there, there's a reason that that's happening. Yeah, It's not a real natural he's not like, thing for he's a seven year old. A hole, you know, yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's just, maybe just move from Korea and mm. hates the place that he lives and it, all of his friends are gone and you know, he's never yeah. going to say that, but of course he doesn't want to sit in this class and learn English. Like that's understandable. And you, <laughs> I'm sure in some way could identify a lot with the international students because you know, not, not, not only are you international yourself, yep. but you come here, you don't know anyone. Yep. You don't know the environment. You don't know yeah. who, you know, who to hang out with after work totally, or after school. Yeah. And for the families to to a large degree too, that there was this group of moms, there's beside, there were several, um, groups, but there were, we had a lot of Korean students in the city where I lived in the school. There was a, there was like a Hyundai plant and like a Kyocera plant. So there were a lot of Korean families there. So we had a lot of Korean kids and I had no experience with Korean culture. I'd been to Korea once since living in China and, and I got to know this group of moms really well because they were so dedicated to their kids getting a proper education, but Mm. they weren't quite sure what that looked like. Right. Right. And they have these different expectations and standards. So I spent a lot of time with them when I first started, they, you know, there's like the representative, the one that speaks English and Mm -hmm. all the other moms would go and she would speak for all of them. And, um, but starting to understand kind of what one, like not commiserating, but being like, this place is crazy. Right. (laughs) Like, you know, we're, and they recognize that I was in a, place that I didn't necessarily feel I wasn't at home they weren't at home so we mm-hmm. talked about that you know and they're kind of like where do you eat like we'd yeah. like have those conversations like, I don't know <laughs> yeah I'm like I just have to cook at home because I don't know yeah I see these letters and I assume it means hamburger but <laughs> yeah. I you know I ordered my most common way to order was I would look around at tables and point to what I wanted I'd be like I want that because I look at a menu and I couldn't yeah. order but anyway, so so that feeling with students and also with families and with the other teachers, you know, I'm I'm had student discipline was a large part of my role, but but also I was the teacher leader. I was the you know I was managing the teachers, mm-hmm. and they're having that part. Luckily, I'd been there for a long time by then, so I understood very deeply the challenges of Americans living sure. in China. Um, and I, I was involved in the interview process and I'd talk to them and kind of coach them through the move as well. Cause there's no way you can do any job well if you don't feel safe and secure and comfortable, right? If you're, mm. if you feel sick cause you ate something, if you have a cough cause of the pollution, if there's, 
you know, the water at your house doesn't work, like all these things. If you can't pay your bills, if you, you know, till those things are settled, I can't expect any person, an adult to focus on these kids. You have to feel comfortable. So that was a big part as well that I could kind of prep them before they came Mm. and then coach them while they were there and put them. We had incredible support staff that, you know, we could call around the clock because, like someone would be uh-huh. leaving a leaving a pub at two a.m. and like their oh foot boy. gets run over, you know, or like and luckily they weren't not it wasn't that bad, but like yeah. so that kind of that kind of support that you could call someone mm. and I would text and say, can you put this into Chinese characters in a message so I can show the taxi driver uh-huh. like, um, so yeah, all that. So after five and a half years you decide it's time to leave or how did you reach that decision? Yeah, I, I had already decided to leave prior to that. Wait, you're like, I only committed to six months. So somehow this happened. I don't know. Um, so I was there in that first school for two and a half years after that, I felt ready to come back to the U S so I did, mm-hmm. um, you know, left the school and the company on great terms, but said, I want to, I want to work in the States. That's the reason I got into education was mm-hmm. because education in the U S worked really well for me. It does not for everyone. I grew up in Northern California, mm-hmm. went to San Diego for school. And then pretty much from there, I got my undergraduate there, got my credential there and then moved to China. So, um, so then after being in China for two and a half years, I came back. I had, a couple festivities. I had a couple weddings I was in, some bachelorette parties that were necessary. You know? nice. So I took a few months off, then was looking back at starting work and everything that was coming up based on my experience, the, the thing, the, the companies that valued my experience were back in China. Mm-hmm. So I looked around, I was into going somewhere else international, but I ended up just getting this great offer. Went sure. back to China, it was just going to be one more year. And then, so it ended up being like over two more years. So I was finished and then went back and cause I had these, these people were like, do you want to run schools? Mm. Me with this like uncleared cre- teaching credential, you know, yeah. like, okay, sure. let's do it. So, but I decided I finished my, um, my last year there, I guess. And enrolled in a master's program and, um, just wanted to be able to do what I was doing there back here in California or somewhere in the States. And in order for that to happen, I needed to go back to school. Do you think you want to ever go back to the international scene? I'd be open to it. Um, ideally I'd, what I was talking, I've talked to with both of my previous companies, I would love to have a position based in the States supporting Mm. those programs. And I'd be willing to travel out there a lot, but if now all my, you know, my, my brother has a kid now, my Mm. best friends are having kids. It's tough. Uh, It's hard to, and, and I've really, I was away for a long time. Kids are the ultimate magnet. Uh, my joke is that I moved so far away from home that I got to the coast and I thought, okay, I can either stop here or I can just start swimming. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I might as well stop, you know, stop Where here. Where are you from? Uh, I'm from Chicago. Okay. Or just outside of it. And, um, and then I had a kid and man, they just <laughs> all moved out here. Everybody's moving they all out, moved west. out here. And I was like, oh, we had such a good thing going. <laughs> we had all this space, but, uh, I, you know, no, they're, they're a big help. Uh, out here, but it was one of those things where it's, man, kids. Yeah. It's, it's what draws everything everywhere. Absolutely. It's unbelievable. So your ultimate goal now is to work in 
schools again, work in the private sector. What you have all this very kind of interesting experience, but not a lot of classroom experience. So what what are you hoping to gain from all this and and turn this into for your ultimate career goal? Good question. <laughs> that's the that's the basically what I'm going through right now. I'm figuring yeah. that out. Um, this master's program has been awesome. I've learned a ton about how American schools work, how particularly California schools work. Um, and I would love to work in schools. Um, I'm looking at private and charter schools. I'm looking at potentially going back to the classroom and getting a little street cred here in, in California, but <laughs> kind of hesitant to do that because I love the administrative stuff. Um, I'm looking at the private sector. I'm looking at like ed mm-hmm. tech companies. I'm looking at foundations. Yeah, and you go back up nor- northern California. I might be a willing lot to sell tech. out for a few years and <laughs> pay off some of these loans. Yeah. <laughs> any, are any textbook companies hiring? <laughs> so I'm I I'm in a good place where I have a whole bunch of ideas, not zero sure. ideas, which is good. But I'm also a little overwhelmed at the moment. Um, so you don't really know in the intermediary where you want to go, but do you have a long term? I really don't. I, I, I think I'll probably work in education somewhere for my whole life. Um, I, at some point I would like to circle back around and be a a true, you know, school administrator. Um, but I don't think one that I'm ready to do that yet. And I could, I I could with support in the right position. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think I need to, I will tell you that they are not, (laughs) the teachers are not going to be the same as they were (laughs) in your, in your international school. Absolutely not. i I would say they're probably going to be better. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's go which with is, that. Which is nice. Um, I think more... I think of, you'll find some some places are better than others. Yeah. And some some people within a school are better than others, right? Absolutely. Probably yeah. everywhere, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my, my long-term goal would be to, like, continue helping people learn. Um, ideally children, but maybe not necessarily. Do you have a, do you have a specific age group? That no, you gravitate toward? No, I, I really liked high school, um, but the kids I was working with in China are very different than American sure. high school kids. <laughs> sure are. They're, it was really fun to plan for these high school programs, the American Culture Unit for Advisory, which was drug and alcohol, sex ed. Chinese schools teach zero sex ed. And parents were just like, we. I, I pose this as a legitimate danger of American universities is the people need to understand what happens on American university campuses and enough to avoid it or, you know, be involved in some way or, and I just did not feel responsible sending, bringing Chinese kids here without them having that. So mm-hmm. we had to had the bananas and the condoms and the kids are just mortified, like red. I mean, I'm mortified just (laughs) thinking about it. And we'd split boys and girls for that. So we made actually them do that together just to like, for shock value. It was great. (laughs) So you have another few months left in your master's program and then you're going to kind of, uh, explore the world of American schools. And, uh, I both wish you the best in that. Um, and also <laughs> Godspeed <laughs> because, uh, yeah, it'll be, it's definitely going to be an interesting transition to have the bulk of your experience be the international group and then coming definitely. down here. I wonder if, uh, you might find comfort in international schools within the U S totally. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've also thought about working. Thank you for your well wishes, by the way. Um, I've also th- I've also thought about uh, you know working with Chinese kids here would make a lot mm-hmm. of sense. So I don't know something with that maybe. Well, cool. So uh, I think that's a good place to leave it, and uh, let's play some games and do some segments and games. Uh, get a little bit more into the cultural disparity <laughs> there you go. of the states. Can I confess something? And abroad, yes, please. The first podcast I ever listened to was your first episode really? yesterday. Wow. <laughs> I'm not even sure I know what a podcast is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry that I've ruined podcasts for you. This is my I, I pr- only. I promise. They're so, own- <laughs> they are so much better. They are, they're really good podcasts out there. Please do not use podcasts as a baseline of mine. No, so. this is it. This is the only type oh, of podcast God, there I'm is. I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right. Games. I'm scared. Okay, so our first segment, and this is an actual game this time. I always struggle with, you know, saying, is it going to be a game? Is it going to be a segment? This is an actual game this time. This is true-false horror stories from teaching. Oh, no. Uh, Last time I played this, we talked about stories involving students. And this is going to be horror stories involving parents. Okay. So I'm no, going to read. parents aren't ever a problem. Oh, no. They're, <laughs> they're parents, all false. Parents are the easiest <laughs> part of education by far. Yep. Okay, so the way that this is going to work is I'm going to read three stories, and you are going to tell me which one of these stories is not a real horror story okay. involving a parent. Two of them are true. One of them is false. If it seems like two truths and a lie, it's because it is. I completely stole the idea. Uh, and I'm not afraid of anyone who wants to challenge me on that. So, okay. That's what happened? How we got here. <laughs> yeah, you don't need the uh, slow drip of interrogation. I will confess. I completely stole it. All right, so are you ready to play? I am. All right. Story number one. A high school student clearly needed to be tested for both special education services as well as psychological services. All year long, teachers and counselors met with the mom to discuss their concerns, yet she would not consent to testing. Finally, with just two weeks left in the year, the parent not only requested special ed and psych tests, but demanded that should the student qualify for services, all failing grades be removed from his transcripts. He had failed nearly every class all year. Her reasoning, if he has special needs, you all let him fail without giving him special services. Well, you can't put that on my son, can you? That sounds, I'm not going to commit, but that doesn't sound that far off. (laughs) Second story, a middle school student named, well, we'll just call him Johnny, was having a difficult time with behavior and academic achievement in every class but his elective theater class. During a parent conference with Johnny and all of his teachers, including the theater teacher, the father scolded his child, saying, you misbehave and don't do well in all of your classes except your theater class? That's the one class you shouldn't care about. I'd rather you misbehave and do nothing in that class than in your English or math class. Nice. (laughs) Story number three. An elementary student, we'll call her Susie, was dropped off at school on her birthday. The teacher met Susie and her mom at the door for morning drop-off, and when the teacher smiled and said, Happy birthday, Susie, the mom's face went ghost white, and she blurted out, Oh, happy birthday! Because mom had completely (laughs) forgotten her own daughter's birthday. All right, so we have three stories. We have... One, the high school parent who ignored 
the advice of the school and finally at the end of the year after the kid had failed everything demanded that all the grades should be all the failing grades should be removed from the transcript because that was the teacher's fault Mm -hmm. Two, uh johnny whose father told him to cherry pick the classes that he should care about or three susie whose own mom completely forgot her own (laughs) birthday they're all pretty plausible so i i'm pretty sure one's true um because of i've heard that stuff like that happens a lot (laughs) um it's either two or three i i think it's three but three is false but it makes me really sad (laughs) but moms have a lot on their minds so it takes a village right so three is false okay three i have a confession to make (laughs) yeah they are all true. <laughs> oh, that's, oh my honestly, god! Honestly, they like just seem ridiculous. Yeah, they, it seems about right. I mean, I love parents. Were you and in good that? Parents were you in a amazing. conference for that second one? Uh, <laughs> I actually was the theater teacher. <laughs> were you? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Like, I look. I love parents, but also, oh, parents. Yeah. No, they honestly. I was like, they all seem plausible. Like, yeah. I don't think one's false. <laughs> nope, they're all true. Yep. And thus concludes the first ever trick game of true-false where everything was true. Good job. Did I win? Yeah. No. Well, just true, true. (laughs) You won. Okay, our next segment, because we had so much fun with that game. Our next segment is called Teach Yourself. Okay. And it is taken from the Parks and Recreation Treat Yourself Uh, But I call it teach yourself because I am a big fan of tea. All my students, everyone at the school knows about it. It's become kind of a weird, almost local phenomenon. Like I was written about in the newspaper (laughs) for my crazy love of tea. It's You have a cult following. Yeah, I mean, it's a little problematic, but that's okay. It's only a problem if I think it's a problem, but I don't think it's a problem. So it's not really a problem It's not a big deal. It's fine. I'm fine. I don't need help. I don't sound highly caffeinated at all (laughs) as I talk about my own tea problem, do I? Uh, So yeah, I love tea, and when I'm having a bad day, I think to myself, you know what I need? You know what I deserve? I had a rough day. I deserve a really good cup of tea. Or if I have a really great day, I say, you know what I've earned myself? I've earned myself a really good cup of tea. Tea is the thing that really centers me. It makes me feel good. It makes my soul complete. What is the one thing that really nourishes your soul, that makes you feel good after a good day or a bad day? So when you're talking about tea, I can I can think of the the thing that fills that whole exact fills that cup exactly. Um, and for me for me it's sleep. Just like <laughs> I just love sleep. I could sleep twelve hours a day if you let me. You really you really are born s- to be a teacher because if you if your answer is the thing that I do to treat myself is I sleep. <laughs> yeah. You were you were either destined to be a teacher or a parent or both. Yeah, that's. Pretty much what's because God, that there. sounds so good right it now. Sounds sleep. so good. Uh. I it all began in utero. <laughs> um, I, I slept was, for nine straight months. I was eighteen days late. <laughs> you overslept, and I had to be induced. My mom's like, "Get out!" And I was like, "Why would I leave? It's warm and cozy." And they're like, "She's like out, kid. Eventually yeah. notice." And apparently, I slept really well as a kid, and I just sleep really well. And I feel like you said, when you've had a bad day, you want sleep. Yep. When you want to reward yourself, I take a nap (laughs) if I can. 
Um, along Man, with what a that, great day. I'm ready for it to be over. Totally. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> and I've, I've, prolong- I've uh, added to it. Like there's a, um, a nice bath essential oil like precursor to the sleep. Oh, I was going to say you sleep in the bath? <laughs> Holy moly. If I could. I'm just like prolonging the <laughs> just sleep. Just a big experience. snorkel mask on. <laughs> I have a scuba like, Good night. Um, so it's just like So when you're having a bad day, you get in the tub and you wash off the bad day. And then you go to bed and you say, I'm just going to bed. Yeah. When you have a good day, you're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get in a bath and I'm going to soak in my greatness. Yep. And then I'm going to go to bed. Yep. Absolutely. That sounds really good. Uh, I'm actually just more tired now thinking about how well you sleep. Talking about sleep. You know, I'm not going to lie. As a parent of a toddler, I like you a little less because you get to sleep so much. <laughs> Just a little bit. I'm, I think I'm like banking hours now because at some point I'd like to have kids and I know I won't sleep. And so. they will never sleep. Just and if they do, me. you'll be the scourge of all the of all the parents in your, in your parent group. They should be like, oh, that girl. Hopefully it's hereditary. Yeah. <laughs> please, please. All right. Well, good night. All right. I think we've covered a lot here today uh we've gone to china and back we've uh not actually napped but we've talked about napping uh we have discussed parents that make you just want to lay down (laughs) and take a nap in the worst way and uh now we're at the sad part where we have to start saying goodbye but uh before we do something that i do at the end of every episode is i have uh my guests give an extra credit assignment to the pod class, uh, something that you would like for them to do, or at least attempt to do between now and the next, uh, episode of this show. It can be anything. It can be a book they need to read or a TV show or movie they should check out, or even a type of food to Mm. taste. What is one extra credit assignment you would like to give the pod class audience? Good question. Um, kind of going in line with what we've talked about. Um, I think everyone should, it's kind of abstract so that you're going to need to make it your own. (laughs) Um, Go to China, open up a school. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) Stay for five and a half years and then come back. Yeah. It's supposed to be between now and next week, but stay for five and a half years. (laughs) That's how it all started. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's how it started. You listen to a podcast. Someone gave you an extra credit assignment that you didn't actually have to do, but you were encouraged to do it. And then you lived in China for half a decade. Yep. I always loved extra credit. I was like, how do I get more points? (laughs) How do I get A's? Um, Class ended five and a half years ago, but you finally turned it in. You're like, here I am. They're like, who? I'm like, who are you? Um, I think that everyone who's listening should take some step to just step out of their comfort zone and experience a a person, some people that live differently than themselves Mm. in some way. Um, maybe that's watching something, maybe it's going to like a part of greater Los Angeles County you've never been before <laughs> or anywhere outside of California. It, well, that's going to be for hard people in who the aren't day, in but California. Yes. Oh, and for people that aren't <laughs> in California. Oh my gosh. Um, just go check out something that's different than what you're used to. Um, and just take it in and reflect on how, not how it's different, but also how it's the same. Mm. I find that even being somewhere that is so very different from your home and the people are so very different from you, the things that make us similar are 
more numerous than those that make us different. People are hospitable and welcoming and kind and caring. And I always said parents are parents and kids are kids, no matter where they're from or they kids mm-hmm. want to do well, they want to be supported, you know, that kind of thing. So I don't know, just do something that you're not used to step out of your comfort zone and see, see what you gain from it. Um, nice. It's your extra yeah. credit. That's your extra credit assignment. I think, uh, you're like, we I should don't all know do it. what it is, but <laughs> no, no, I totally, it totally makes sense. Okay. Uh, especially, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, whenever I see beautiful people and I go, you are not the same species. It's important to remember that we are all people We are, and, and we can't just be intimidated. Even Beyonce. Even, well, she's <laughs> a goddess. How dare you? There's like a target on my back right now. <laughs> she is not human. Uh, thanks for coming. Thanks really for having me. This and, is great. Uh, yeah, this is great. I hope you had a good time. Yeah, I did. Okay, that is our show. Thanks again to my guest, Kate Hummel, and thank you, my pod classmates, for listening. Now, I know, I ask you this every week, but if you wouldn't mind, go right ahead and share your love of this show with at least five other people in your life. It can be a simple text or email saying, hey, check this show out. Or it can be even more complicated, like writing a review on the show, taking a screenshot of it, and then emailing it to at least five people with the title, hey, check this show out. By the way, if you do decide to write a review and take a screenshot, be sure you just take the next step of emailing it to me at podclasspod, that's podclasspod, at gmail.com so that you can be entered to win the $50 Amazon gift card. Yep, that's right, it always comes back to Amazon, which incidentally seems to be the mantra my wife takes whenever she decides to order something she isn't fully sure she wants. Anyway, don't forget to come back next week for our mini pod show where I'll answer listener questions and monologue about a current issue in education. Oh, and of course, I'll announce the big review contest winner. That's all for this week. Podclass dismissed.